get started, and uh, last time we left off in our study uh, of the end of the age around um, the kingdom and um, the church and how, how different it is from that. Um, amazingly enough, this week I was, uh, actually it was yesterday at lunch, uh, I was listening to the radio and <laughs> Um, there was a uh, on the on Moody, and this exact topic was was being discussed at, at uh, during the day. Um, it was you know has the church uh, replaced the um, you know the, the the Israel as a nation, and uh, and all the things we talked about actually were 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 engaged in that discussion at that time. So it was a great I had a chance to listen in on how uh, what they were saying, and it was a great uh, it, was a, it was it was a good affirmation. Of all the things that we we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks, um, any questions around uh, around what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, or anything further up uh, discussions you've had with other people, maybe? Or um, thank you very much, fellas. Um, uh, around those areas and, and issues, um, any comments or things about that? That'll help us a lot. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, um, Last time I, I didn't get to it, but I handed it out. I thought I'd just um, uh, jump to to show it to you. But uh, before we get into our actual study today, one of the key things about the ch- the, the the church itself, as we know, it, uh, and God's um, God's uh, uh, passion for the church um, is 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 really bound up in this thing called the diversity of the church and the spectrum of diversity. Now, you should have this. Has everybody got one of those? Um, so um, what, what I want to do is just call this out very quickly uh, because um, the church is um, probably, it is the most diverse um, institution that um, has existed in time and space. And, and what's fascinating to me is that, is that in the process of that incredible diversity that God has... Um, uh, put put us together to exercise humanness and natural nat- our natural uh, selves um, in a way that would um, be honoring and pleasing to Him, so that in the midst of all this diversity, literally there can be unity. And uh, when we look at this, um, the top one I'll just run through them really quickly is spiritual maturity. You have young uh, versus old, uh, older in the faith. Uh, the amount of time a person's been uh, saved, maybe short and long, uh, the physical age of people, young and older, certainly very, very different tastes, right? Preferences, tastes that uh, exist in, in there. Um, culture, uh, the same culture, very diverse cultures uh, within, within, within those who, who, who are participants in a local church. Uh, uh, genders, uh, male and female, uh, uh, physical health, Whole versus disabled, um, so literally that's happening there. Um, economic classes, we have people who who are who are poor, um, and people who 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 are rich, and in the things of uh, of this world, we have economic. Uh, uh, beyond that, we have spiritual gifts from everything from those who who serve to those who speak and teach. And, and, and the giftedness that goes across all across that spectrum. Uh, we have talents. Um, some, uh, some have few talents. Some have many talents. Um, opinions and traditions. Um, 
Some have grown up with very few in their background. Some are very steeped in traditions and 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 uh, and all. So in opinions. So you have this very uh, wide spectrum that exists there. Family makeup. Uh, some have children. Um, some are parents, and some parents have children. Some parents don't have children. <coughs> Marital status. Married or single. Personality. Introverted. Extroverted. Uh, your religious background, um, some have really none, n- none to speak of at all. Uh, s- some uh, um, have extreme religious backgrounds, um, and so you see this radical uh, shift between those two there. Uh, some are illegalism. Uh, some some are, are, are fr- uh, demonstrate their freedom in Christ, and that Christ has made them free. And, and, and some still are, are, are bound up in, um, in, in, in things that maybe they shouldn't be, or maybe they feel like they, where they've come from. And so this legalist, legalism may be a part of uh, their backgrounds. Um, worship style. Um, some like move very much towards traditional, um, uh, you know, the hymns and the traditional part of, of worship. And some... Um, Certainly, come to the contemporary side of worship and and want to move the move move things that way, and um, uh, from a worship style perspective, uh, biblical understanding. Uh, some have not been taught hardly at all before, and so they have really no frame of reference, no understanding of of a biblical worldview. Um, they their 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 thinking is through the natural lens that exists, and 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 yet. Um, some are uh, some uh, are very literate biblically, have a, have a very strong understanding of, of of the scriptures, and and it affects their way they make decisions day in and day out. Um, other is languages. Uh, certainly, some only speak one language. Some speak many many languages, and yet you know you see this coming together of 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 the church into one place. So this diversity of spectrum, spectrum of diversity is, is, is huge, it's very big, and um, uh, what might be some of the manifestations of this diversity, do you think, that, that might, uh, might occur in the church? Okay, maybe a, a challenge on unity? Okay, maybe in like what ways, possibly? Okay. To a balance, maybe? Yeah. A balance in the middle, maybe? So instead of one way or the other? Okay. Um, okay, good. Others? Okay. Okay. Sure. So, so somebody may see, see something that the Scriptures ha- say and see the freedom in Christ, but some may see, like, maybe they have a preference one way or the other about something. They really feel strongly about that. You know, I mean, that's... That's not right to do or not whatever, right? So you see this a possibility of a clash there, don't you? And, and again, going back to the, what you brought up, Marlene, it is affecting possibly the unity of, of the community of believers. Okay. Cultural? Yeah. They, they see Muslim and, and their culture as the same thing, maybe? Yeah. Good. Any other comments, maybe? So... So you can see very quickly just going through, and this is not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but you can quickly see why, you know, the adversary um, uh, wants to do some challenging business within the church, possibly, because he can rub relationships, possibly, the wrong way with so much difference, right? But the beauty of, 
of, of, of Christ's church is that when the oil of the Holy Spirit lubricates relationships, and in the midst of that lubrication of relationships, love is demonstrated, uh, unconditional love is demonstrated, what you find is, is, that it is relationships that are, that are, that are better than um, you know, anything else that, that, that you've ever experienced. Because um, people come together and they value diversity. They value differences. And they see them as complementary, not for a goal of sameness. Does that make sense? So when we see that love demonstrated within the body, then, then this spectrum of diversity actually acts much like a white light on a diamond in that it, it, it explodes through the diamond and it manifests itself in just an array of, of color that, that brings out the in, intrinsic beauty of what's going on. And yet, um, that, that, that's what the church becomes. Is, and, and, and Christ said through, you know, through Paul, he says that, you know, that, that, um, that the church is um, the most important uh, possession of, of God's and Christ, and he died for the church. And that the church will be on, quote, public display, you and I, uh, throughout all eternity, about what God was able to do with men who have been rescued from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And that together, they demonstrate this incredible diversity, yet a spectrum of unity. Only God could do that. Only God could accomplish that. Any comments or questions about that make sense? Okay. So it is that unity that um, is so important for us to talk about today. And I want to talk about discipline in the church, if I could, and what it is. So, so first and foremost, when we use the word discipline here, what, what comes to your mind? What, uh, what, what does our natural mind think of when we think about discipline? Punishment. Punishment, okay. Punishment. So, punishment. What else? Other thoughts? Punishment. Act. Back. <coughs> military, military approach. Other things. Army. Abandonment. Abandonment. Okay. Um, what? I, I, so when we get started, if, if if in fact discipline is really important to God in the in the church, I guess it's really important for us to understand what is discipline. Okay. Because in our mind, we've been led to believe some things that I think, you know, manifest themselves in this way here. And um, I guess a good question right off the top of my head would be, what's the difference between discipline and punishment? Which one's with love? Discipline's with love, okay. Yeah, okay. okay, so concern for the other person, and punishment is out of what? Justice. Okay, justice. Or what else, maybe? Revenge, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Revenge, maybe? Um, so, so how could we have this perspective of this word, and maybe this, this is really what it, what it means? You know, we all hate discipline, don't we? <laughs> In our lives, just naturally, right? I mean, you know, uh, a specific regimen or, or some, you know, um, uh, uh, diet or... 
<laughs> something like that, right? Um, but 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 what is discipline really at the end of the day? Um, I would take. Okay, so that's a good question. So here's the question. Here's a better question, right? Does does God ever punish um, believers? Punishment. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see that as discipline, right? <laughs> well, it might have been from your parents. <laughs> but, 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 but why would, why, okay, so let's take that example. Uh, spanking, let's say, a spanking. Um, could a spanking be discipline and punishment? Or, or could, I mean, could it be, could it be, could the act itself be either of the two? In what way? How would that might manifest itself possibly? Okay, so in that way, it's training you somehow, right? Um, uh, so it, it kind of comes back to the motivations for whoever was administering the spanking, why they did what they did, right? If they did it um, to get back at their son, um, or to establish, you know, some level of justice, you know, then that would probably fall uh, in, in the realm of um, punishment. But if it was done out of a motivation of love for the best interest to care more about their character qualities as to the reasons behind why they um, broke, the, broke, broke the, you know, the what they were supposed to do in the first place, and, and, and caring about... Um, bringing that character along in such a way that the next time they understand the, the ramifications of the choices that they're making in their lives, where would that then probably fall? That would be discipline, wouldn't it? And, and so it wasn't just about changing. See, be, punishment is almost invariably about, quote, changing behavior. And, and discipline is about changing character, which would then will what? Behavior. See the difference? Very, very important. I mean, if you get nothing out of today and you just take this away and use this in your own life, I mean, that is wildly uh, important. So, I think God punishes. If, if they doesn't, then it is a bad example. Right. So I would agree with you. And, and I, I, what we find is that he does punish people, but he will punish non-believers. Okay? He won't punish believers, his children. He will discipline his children. So, 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 stay with me, and let's 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 take a look at a verse uh, to to kind of understand this a little bit better. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve. Um, let's take a look at verse. Let's let's start in verse five, um, and we'll look at a few other verses down below that. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse five says. My, my son, do not regard lightly, or the idea is don't look down upon, don't look, don't look down, don't look, don't, don't look down upon uh, the discipline of the Lord, or, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those who, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Okay? Verse 7, um, it, is, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? Verse 8. But if you are without discipline, in other words, with punishment only, then God deals with... Uh, for what son is there 
excuse me, without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. So his point here is that um, those who are sons of his, children of his, he disciplines. If you don't, if you're not disciplined, disciplined out of love, this way we're talking about here, by the, w- the way, the word discipline is to train up a child. It's to it's to course correct decisions in, in a life. It's to come around and apply pressure in places that would encourage um, a person to become to become more like Christ or to become more like God in the way they think, so that that would manifest itself in their behavior. Okay, and then he says what here? He says verse. 10 is the purpose of discipline. So the purpose of discipline is found here. He says, for, this, for, for they, our fathers, earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. So here we are out just try, trying to figure out what are the best things to do for our kids. You know, it's like, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Like, I mean, you know, how do we determine that? Well, as best they thought, you know. I mean, that, that, that's where truth comes from. Isn't it, it w- within people? Is well, it's the best I know. Wasn't isn't it great to have the Word of God to be able to go beyond just discovered truth and know have a, have a perspective of a revealed truth? God, you know, and that's what He does. So He says um, that uh, all discipline for them. Uh, excuse me, uh, they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for what? For our good that we may, quote, share in His holiness. So the purpose of discipline in our lives is, is character development such that it becomes more like Christ, so that we share in His holiness, that we become um, exercises of the, of, of the divine nature in, in our lives and make decisions around wanting to be more like Christ. So that, that's the purpose of discipline. Okay, And he says here, verse 11, he says, all discipline. So, <laughs> when we're in the moment, when we are being administered, when discipline's being administered in our lives by God or, or whomever, okay, it's what? It seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. <laughs> ah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that completely. But sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, how does a person become trained by it? What does that mean? Those who have been trained by it, learned, don't have to make the same mistake twice, right? Okay, don't have to have, don't don't have to go from you know, you know the the, the, the look to the to, to the to, to the belt to the two by four. <laughs> you know, I don't have to go through that process, right? I, I can. Uh, he says, um, once I've been trained by it, in other words, I, I, I do the right thing for the right reason, for the right way. That's my, once, I've, once I've been trained by it, I've, I've, I've gone beyond somebody else having external input into my life, and I've made conscientious decisions myself. I don't need outside influences coming along the way to move me in the direction to becoming more like Christ. I want to do that. And so I learned that. I trained by it. Because afterwards, after you've gone through that process, now you see it for what it was and that and what it becomes, which is, quote, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Peaceful fruit of righteousness. What is the peaceful fruit of righteousness, do you think? 
what is that fruit of righteousness? Righteousness is holiness, right? It's like, like godness. It's like, so it's the peaceful fruit of becoming more like God. What, what does that peaceful fruit mean? I think it's fascinating that it, gives, it talks about peace, right? It's that there isn't a struggle and a striving anymore. It's like you settled, settled conclusion, you know, settled perspective of trusting. Yeah, yeah. Taking something away from me. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, um, the way the verse is set up, he actually equates joyfulness in the beginning of it with the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You see that? In the beginning, we didn't think it was this. But it yielded this peaceful fruit of righteousness, which is joy. So he's basically saying joy is that peace of righteousness. So that joy-filled heart of becoming more like Christ and having intrinsic passions around wanting to please God more than I want to please myself is the process that he's going through and articulating. He says God cares more about our character and who we are becoming than what we're doing. And he wants to change that. And that's what discipline is. So he says, right in this verse, he says um, that for the moment it seems not to be joyful, but after having been trained by it. The words trained by it, as we said already, is this idea of discipline. After having, been, after having exercised these things really strongly, then they come to full, concru- full fruition. Follow me? So, so... It, what is discipline? It's exercising. It's, it's putting into work something to be able to bring my character into becoming more like Christ. That's what, that's what it is. So if that were true, and joy is the end game of it, <laughs> follow me? Why wouldn't it be something, as he says here, they become trained by it. They, they want it. They want that input into their life. It's not like coming from the outside and, and having to apply external influences. Or it's like, I'm seeking it. I want it. I want to be able to become more like it. Does that make sense? See the difference? Absolutely. In the inside, they're Absolutely. They're, they're their hearts, their, their necks up, you know. So it's not just external. It's yep. settled. They're yep. settled inside. Yep. Absolutely. 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 So, um, almost, uh, I don't know of hardly any situations where punishment will really accomplish the right things. It won't train. It won't. Because it's just focused on change the behavior. You know, if I focus on change behavior, change behavior, change behavior, change behavior, real long-lasting change doesn't happen, does it? Because it has to come from the heart. I mean, one of the ch- most challenging things that I'm up against in these institutes to teach them is take, take the tongue, for instance, just the tongue itself. I mean, you can go and you can read all the scripture about, you know, you, know, you shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that, and you know what, you can know cognitively that your tongue isn't where it sh- needs to be and, and it's the problem with relationships. But what are you going to do? Okay, well, I'm going to try to hold my tongue tighter. Well, out of the wellspring of the heart, the tongue speaks. All right? And so it is not, it is not my, in, my inability or my ability to control my tongue is directly proportional to my heart. And how that is will be directly proportional to my ability, uh, my relationship with the Lord. 
So you can quickly see how talking to a non-believer, you can talk about all these like things to do to you know get where you want to get to, you know, in your relationships. But unless you have the ability to speak into one's heart, lasting change and transformation can't occur. I mean, why? Because they may do that, but what's going? What might come out of that? Their relationships still are set up in a, such a way that they're desiring selfish relationships. It's about them. It's about what they want in that relationship, not what, according to this, love, unconditional love, is about the other person, not about you, right? So you can quickly see how, how, how all those things work together to be able to understand it's the heart. Um, and so God is, discipline is focused on the heart. It is focused on transformation of the heart. Does that make sense? Okay. So, transformation of the heart... His character changing the heart. Paul. Do you think uh, mind and uh, ability has anything to do with that? In what way? Uh, uh, the mind. In, in other words, they're brilliant people and there are some who are not so brilliant. That has any effect on, on how the tongue works? Um, how it is controlled? I, I, think that, um, I think that a person can become uh, a, a, a better tongue holder. <laughs> meaning like not speaking what's on their mind, but you know what? What's on your mind? <laughs> Why can't you just speak what you want to think and what's in your heart? Because of what's in your heart. There's the problem. Okay. So I can become a great manipulator of my of my tongue to be able to hold it when I need to, right? And be politically correct or whatever you want to call it, right? But it hasn't changed my, what, what's in there that would come out if I were to let it go. And the point that the scriptures are trying to talk about is like, why can't you let it go? What's the problem is because of what's in my heart. You know, it, I, I use this the phrase, you know, what, what what's in the well will always come up in the bucket. <laughs> you know, it's really true, right? I mean, yeah. so discipline is about transformation of the heart. Okay, let's start looking at this then together. Um, first of all, you should have a handout there. Um, God has given authority to the local church. God has given authority to the local church. Just period. Um, turn with me to Matthew 18, which is going to be one of the passages that we, we kind of uh, spend some time in. Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20. Would somebody um, read uh, that? Okay, so this comes on the backdrop of verses um, 15 through 17 that talk about when your brother sins and what to do. So, uh, first of all, you you might have heard these verses um, stated around what? When it talks about two or three of gathering in my midst, there I am in the midst. About um, corporate prayer time, right? Yeah, corporate prayer time. But we're going to learn that it really has nothing to do with that issue. I mean, it is corporate prayer time, but what's the what's the context of, of what this is all about? Okay? So we'll come back to that a little bit later. But God has given authority to the local church here. He says that um, uh, uh, that, that the church um, has the ability to um, agree with God. And when, he, when the church agrees with God, then the church has that authority. He says, whatever should be done uh, for them by my Father who is in heaven. Okay, next here is that um, 
is God has given the authority, responsibility, and accountability to discipline, or for discipline, to to the local church. God has given the authority, responsibility, and accountability to discipline to the local church. Discipline has two uh, senses. One we've talked about already a little bit this morning, which is uh, discipline in the broad sense. The broad sense of discipline is a proper way of living. Proper way of living. So how we live our lives and discipline those lives um, towards um, becoming more like Christ is, is this broader sense that we're talking about. Um, don't, you don't have to turn there, but let me, um, you can write down this verse, 1 Timothy 4.7. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, um, following, he says, um, on, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That's this broad sense. So, um, again, back to this issue of, of what is discipline. It's exercising. Um, it's exercising oneself, right? So, uh, what would the broad sense of, of, of the proper way of living, what, what would that look like? Be like um, exercising my life to become more like Christ, right? I mean, that's just a general, broad, that's what I'm trying to do every day in my life. Make sense? So that's the broad sense of discipline. He says, <laughs> there's a command there that says we need to be doing that in our lives. Okay? The one, that That's not the context that I want to be spending our time together um, today and next week. Um, the, the, the one I want to talk about is discipline in the narrow sense. Dis- discipline in the narrow sense. And that's really made up of three components. First of all, loving confrontation. Loving confrontation. Loving confrontation. Second, having the purpose of restoration. So the motivation of my heart is not this, justice, revenge, behavior, okay? But it is, um, the motivation of my heart is restoration of a relationship. Restoration of a relationship. Okay, so the first is loving confrontation, okay? And second is um, uh, having a motivation of my heart for restoration. We're going to talk about what restoration is, too. Um, The third one here is, um, uh, the first two is really where... um, uh, the process of restoration occurs. Um, the, th- the third one here is, 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 where, is where discipline comes in. So the third one is where discipline comes in, and that's exclusion from fellowship. Exclusion from fellowship. So we're going to talk about how that actually happens, how and, and literally the process. I want to spend the vast majority of our time on these first week on the first two. The last one really is just a, it's kind of the final straw kind of thing. first ones are all about, you know, they're all all about restoration, but uh, the first ones are really um, 99.999% of the time situations that we're talking about will end up in uh, the first two. Okay. All right, so let's uh, take a look at uh, some common excuses for failing to do this uh, that churches have. Um, we as a church are committed to um, discipline. Um, discipline of the heart. Discipline in a broad sense of living and discipline in the narrow sense of, of restoration. We as a church are, are fully committed to that. Um, why do you see some churches not doing it? What are some of the excuses that are out there? First one is we don't really, uh, first one, w- the manifestation of the fact that they don't do it would, would mean that they don't really love one another. They don't really love one another. If, if in fact, 
um, when we read in Hebrews that God disciplines us and the fact that he wouldn't discipline us says what? That maybe we're not his children, right? Right? Then if a church doesn't discipline, then they must not care about those individuals to the level like God cares for them. Not love them that way. But that, that's, a, that's, cra- that's pretty wild, isn't it? See how that manifests itself. If God cares enough to do whatever it takes to, to, to transform our hearts, to become more like Christ, and you have a church that doesn't care about that, doing, it, doing that, then things are out of sorts. They're not, they're not where they need to be. Okay? Don't really love one another. Second is, common excuse is, I've never actually seen it, seen it actually work. Never act, seen it actually work. I've never actually experienced it, so I don't know how to do it. That, I can understand that. But the scriptures give us how to do that. So whether you've actually seen it or not doesn't take away your need to do it. It, it, it just says, this is your first time through. <laughs> this is the process, so, so get ready for it. Okay, the next one is, it may, uh, well, man, if we discipline, then, you know, it, there's this gray cloud across all this stuff here, and, you know, it's going to scare people away. Well, I, I have found that the 99.999% of the time, okay, people want to, to, to have those kind of safeguards in their lives, and, and, and people who care about them enough to come alongside them, do whatever it takes. So... <laughs> May scare people away. Another is, and this is a, this is a truism. Maybe they've been abused by discipline in the in the past. Um, actually, you know, it was administered wrong, or or somehow scarred from it being done wrong. I can appreciate that. It still doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. You know, if a person if if a person's administering, you know, um, banking on this side here in love, and somehow it, it really hurts the person, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that's the wrong thing to do, it means, you know, back off a little bit, and don't do, you know, don't, maybe how you did it was wrong, you know, um, okay, next is we don't have time for that, <laughs> we don't have time for that, okay, so let me, let me understand what do you have time for then, <laughs> you know, what, what is it that you're doing that you, you don't have time to, to love you, you know, the the, the, your community. Um, next is, uh, we just preach and teach them out. <laughs> you know, if something's going on, we're just going to like, you know, turn to those passages and they're, they're sitting out there and I'm just going speak to speak into their lives and, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna hate, hate life while they're here and they'll just leave, you know. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's work with that a little bit. Um, next is, our, our church is too big or too small to do that. Either way, it's wrong. Um, either way, it's wrong. The next one here is uh, uh, we might be sued. Um, that could be a real possibility in today's world. Um, but you know what? Um, so let um, Everybody gets sued for something. You know, the issue here is is how do you do the right things the right way for the right reasons? That's that's what. Okay. Any uh, questions or comments? These uh, lawsuits. Uh, sure. Absolutely, and it's a real it's a real concern. But you know, um, it's back to this issue: is what is leadership? It's about doing the right thing. You know, I mean, that's that's a that's a turn that's always going to dog 
doggust and uh, culture that's you know ha- probably will happen someday. But you know all the safeguards in place to try to keep that from occurring. If you have the right motivations and heart, you know, I mean, try to keep that. Any other comments or questions around that? How much excuses? Okay, let's move on to take a look at the um, the imperatives for carrying this responsibility out. The imperatives for carrying this responsibility out. These are of utmost importance. Um, first of all, is to protect God's re- reputation. To protect God's reputation, it's huge. Um, uh, turn with me, if you would, to Second um, uh, Timothy. Second <coughs> uh, Timothy, chapter two, verse nineteen. Second Timothy, chapter two, verse nineteen. Would somebody read that if you get it? Those who are his. That's everyone who's okay. Uh, New American says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Um, the, the idea is let every, let every person who, who, who are really his, according to the, the phrase before that, um, uh, develop a, a, a distaste for uh, sin in such a way that they hate it. You know, Paul in Romans talks about learn to abhor evil. We, abhorring evil doesn't just come naturally in our life. He says, learn to abhor. So we have to exercise that in such a way that reading evil. Okay. God, to protect God's reputation, really important. Second is to protect the sinning brother. Protect the sinning brother from greater discipline. If, in fact, we know that this starts small by God, God uses situations and circumstances and people in their life to... to and if it starts small... And we can come alongside them and and arrest their attention in such a way that they acknowledge what they're doing as being wrong, and they change. We have accomplished some great things, according to James. But according to um, but but it, but what 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 have we learned so far that will that that will occur in the future if that doesn't happen? Aggressive, ever ever stronger. Discipline towards um, that end, even to the point, as we learn in from Paul in Corinthians, that God actually will take a person off this earth if they're not going to. They're really a believer, and they're and they're causing tremendous pain to quote the reputation of God. So God isn't adverse to literally taking them to heaven quicker than they probably would have um, if they don't. Uh, listen, and you know I've I uh, I see more and more of this happening. Um, we should not be surprised when kinds of things occur. That, yeah, well, well, that's what I'm talking. I'm talking about believers. Yeah, I'm talking about believers. So God God will do whatever it takes. And and I think once we've gone through a number of these initial stages here, I mean the prayer that we need to be really asking the Lord for is do whatever it takes. And that's not a hard thing to pray because we know that if if he doesn't do that that the pain and suffering and all those involved further down the line are going are going to be humongous they're going to be huge so we're actually praying to the end that God would be grace great filled, filled with grace to keep that from happening that's the point makes sense okay so to protect the sinning brother from greater discipline the third one um, is to protect the purity of the church. This is an important key uh, uh, component, uh, uh, imperative. Pr- protect God's reputation. 
to, to protect the brother from greater discipline that's that's on the horizon coming at you. Okay, and third is to protect the, the purity of the church. The purity of the church. Um, the purity of the church um, is the most crucial thing um, that that God is 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 concerned about here. Um, he'll do whatever it takes to to keep that uh, keep that uh, intact. Um, some of the key learnings here that I uh, want to take a look at is, um, first of all, if we don't discipline our people who need to or need it, uh, we will lose our good people. Our good people will go away uh, because they don't believe that, um, that, that uh, as a church we stand for holiness and we stand for right, right things, right, right things. Um, the second one here is that um, if we don't discipline our people who need it, our good people will be encouraged to sin. So if if there are no ramifications to um, stepped up, you know, uh, storing a person to um, coming, you know, be, you know, turning from the, the ways in which they're going, then then our good people are going to somehow say, you know, is it really worth it? And and they'll They'll make some those decisions that aren't the right decisions too. So both are our key learnings coming out of that. Um, okay, uh, any questions on that? All right, let's take a look at uh, this. It says God has given precise instructions regarding matters that require discipline. Uh, matters that regard discipline. Turn with me to First um, Corinthians chapter five. First Corinthians chapter five. Um, let's, uh, First uh, Corinthians chapter 5, would somebody read verses um, 9 through 11? Uh, excuse me, 9 through 13. First Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with all meaning with brother, if he publishes, alter, or what have I to do with, by to do with judging God judges? So what do you see going on here? What is he saying? Discipline, okay. God's making a distinction in the body as opposed to not in the body. Right. So his his point is the the judging of those who are non-believers, those outside the church, um, is coming in the future. God's going to do that. We know that that's hap- going to happen, and, and it's like leave that up to the Lord. But those who are within the body, he says, it's important for us to uh, for the purity of the church to to exercise restoration from these things uh, so that we don't have to separate or part fellowship from those individuals. Because he says, if that doesn't happen, he says, remove them from you amongst yourselves. He says, don't even eat with them at that time when that, when that actually has to go to that level of occurring with them. So don't fellowship is the idea. Don't fellowship with that person if that were to have to occur. Um, okay? Good. Uh, so, the point here is that um, a person is not disciplined for the following sins, but they're dis- they are going to be disciplined for a refusal to repent from them and demonstrate the fruit of right of, of uh, the fruit of um, demonstrate the fruit of repentance. So, a person is not disciplined for the following sins, but they're disciplined for refusing to turn from or repent from those sins and demonstrate the fruit of repentance. What what, what would the fruit of repentance be? What does that that mean? Round and quick, right? Exactly. So repent means literally, you know, 
I was going this way and turned around and went 180 degrees the opposite direction. Turn around and go the other way. So, not doing that for all this list of sins that we're going to talk about here um, is, is where discipline would, would start to be meted out. Does that make sense? This is not saying that all of us don't sin. <laughs> the issue is, is, is acknowledging to God, confessing to him, saying the same thing as God says, and acknowledging that that was wrong and moving on. That's not, when we, that's the process all of us are, hopefully are doing in our lives, right? But when we stiffen our neck and we, and we push against and won't say the same thing as God and, we, and therefore won't repent, that's where this starts to get rebe- a rebellious heart. See what I'm saying? Makes sense. It's not just the act of saying. Not the act of saying. It's the heart. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it makes sense. Exactly. So there's got to be some demonstration of 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 that 180 degree turn for it to be understood to be real, to be accurate, right? So in this section right here, what we see is is the is is most of the list of, of things. First one here is sexual immorality. He says, verse 11. He says. Um, uh, but I wrote to you not to associate yourselves with any so-called brother if they should be an immoral person. So a, a person who is, full of, is, is, is up to their eyebrows in sexual immorality and won't turn from it. Okay, So that's the first one. Second one is greedy covetousness. Covetousness. So covetousness is greed, basically, on steroids, right? It's like... Wanting things more than God. Covetousness. Comes from the root word what? Covet, right? Want something that God has not chosen to give to me at this point. Next is what? Idolatry. Idolatry. I mean, obviously, this is something that's of utmost importance to God, because idolatry is just putting something in place of who God is in our lives. So it could be anything, right? Hang on to those, quote, idols in our lives and won't turn from them process gets ratcheted up from the standpoint of, of desiring uh, God, God wants us to change that. Okay, the next one is um, drunkenness. Oh, excuse me, slander. 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 Reviler or slander. It's the idea of uh, speaking evil of, uh, of someone behind their back. Slander. Next one is drunkenness. Drunkenness or a drunkard. So, a person who uh, is unwilling to do whatever it takes to to uh, to get off of uh, having alcohol or whatever um, troll their lives really is it's really idolatry at the end of the day too right but drunkenness is he calls that out specifically next one is uh, swindler or thievery swindler or th- thievery does anybody's translation have a different word there? Swindler. The idea of um, it's the idea of, of you know of uh, being a thief, taking things that aren't yours, basically. Swindling. We, we we would think of swindling as more in that kind of high roller, kind of you know white collar kind of taking things. Kind of thief. We would, extortioner is a good good example. You know extortion. Yeah. It's interesting to hear Bill talk last week about the fact that he was in extortion. You know, when he came to Christ, it wasn't like he said, you know. I think that's a good thing. I should keep doing that. <laughs> He's like, no, this has changed. I need change. <laughs> the next one is uh, 
uh, we don't find in this passage, but turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse uh, uh, 6 and 7, if you would. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Somebody got that? Read it. But we demand that you walk disorder not according to the Okay. We're not disorderly among you. And then look down in verse uh, 10. He talks about an individual who will not work. He says, one who not work, let, don't let them eat. They're leading, quote, an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. It says, uh, uh, put them to shame. Do not regard, verse 15, he talks about, do not associate with them in verse 14. So, a person who is uh, unruly um, or lazy, the idea of unruliness here has has to do with uh, an unwilling heart or, or a you know, think of truancy, you know, at school. A truancy is unruly. Uh, it comes from that same root word. Unruly and, uh, and lazy. Um, that would be that, that would be fodder for for moving down this path. Um, another here uh, won't turn to it, but be false doctrine. False doctrine. A person is 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 teaching false doctrine, and they won't change from teaching that. Um, that would be another uh, situation where, where we would go down this path. Um, and the last one here is divisiveness. It, it is quite an all-inclusive one, but turn to Titus, a couple books to your right of Timothy. Titus chapter 3, verse 10. Titus chapter 3, verse 10. Would somebody read that one? Okay, so... What is a, a factious man? It's a person who um, is divisive, who, who is, is, is tending to create factions within the body. So um, what are factions? They're just separations of people. You know, he's trying to push that kind of a thing, strategy within a, a, a community or body. Um, he says, cut that off at its feet, you know, and don't allow that to continue. Is that like a click? Yeah, clicks would be a good example. Well, but clicks to, for the purpose of detriment, detriment, which usually they are, you know. But somebody who's fostering that and encouraging and actually, you know, setting those up and stuff. You know, people against people for, could be because of doctrine, could be because of other things, but, you know, setting that up. Yep. Okay, good. Um, let me just uh, throw these last ones here and then we'll, we'll stop there real quick. So, um, Preparations of the one seeking to restore another is in Galatians 6.1. Preparation of the church is in Galatians 6.2. And we'll uh, come back and look at those next week. Um, so we'll talk about uh, how to, what are those specific instructions for discipline in our time together next week. But he's given us specific instructions um, to get ready for this. Um, also, um, the goal of it and uh, specific procedures uh, to to follow um, process. These procedures, like I said before, there's four of them, but the first three are really completely focused on how do we just interact with one another. If somebody, if, if I wronged you, Marlene, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You know? Okay? Uh, Me or what you're supposed to do? I may not know I wronged you, but but what are you supposed to do as a result of being wronged? Yeah. So we're going to actually talk through how, how that should actually work and how, how that process occurs right, next time. What if you're, I 
mean, how not doing? Something there, yeah. But you just, yep. I mean, I would assume it's good hand, you should trust this person. Absolutely. But what if that person isn't? Well, we're going to talk about both those things. Oh. We're going to talk about, like, how to do it and how not to do it. And we're going to talk about, like, you know, what if a person isn't? ready, you know, to do it, and, you know, what are your responsibilities, where, where do they start, where do they stop, and we're going to talk through all of that, yep. Now, are these, are these, uh-huh. is it last, like, yeah. my sister, yeah. she wanted, yeah, it'll be, it'll be up there um, okay. tonight, it, you know, under? Uh, the ABFs, the yep, mm-hmm. okay. yep, okay, well, let's uh, close our time in prayer here, Father, we uh, thank you that you are um, so concerned about our um, becoming more like you, that you will do whatever it takes to accomplish that in our lives. And Father, as we um, think about the purpose behind discipline, it's for our good and for um, our joy and for um, us becoming more like you. Um, Father, we we desire that in our lives. We desire to not even have to go there in our lives, and we want to be motivated um, out of uh, a deep, deep passion for uh, intimacy with you. Father, I pray that um, as we think about just even this church and uh, the fact that you fundamentally desire the honor of your name and the purity of this church uh, to stand tall, Father, I pray it would be a majestic place of, of, of acknowledging and communicating uh, just who you are. And uh, Father, I pray for each one in our body. Father, you know each one by name as we've just seen here that know you. Father, I pray that you would be a part, be, be, be a part of um, accomplishing your will in their lives and that you would bring each person to a place of seeing the need to be broken and to, um, to honor you and to walk in humility and humbleness and desire to please you more than they desire to breathe. And Father, I pray that that would just be the quest of our lives this week. I pray that um, if there are specific... Um, people in our lives, Father, or specific situations or sins in our lives that have um, that have uh, um, tangled us, Father, I pray that you would cause your spirit to, um, to show us where those are. And Father, I pray that we would confess and that we would say the same thing that you say about these things and that we would seek to repent and seek to go the other direction and want you put you first in our lives. Father, I pray that you would be magnified and glorified in our time of worship this morning and that you'd be high and lifted up, the one who is above all, glorious above all things. In Jesus' name, amen.